Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, this is Nolan North, and you're listening to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. Why wouldn't you? Take it from me. Raphael from TMNT, go back to 2007. We'll save our brother, and then we'll save New York City. Or, of course, you may listen to the Krang, because the Krang know that you should listen to Turtles, Turtles, and Turtle Power Hour. Go listen, Krang. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. And I'm Mike Templeton. Mike Templeton. I'm Michael Templeton. Percival Percival Templeton Pivelfoot. Where is this coming from? Pivelcoot? Isn't it Pivelcoot? Pivelcoot. That's Pivelcoot, yeah. What what an amazing name. (laughs) That is the name of the villain in my story when we get to it. Michelangelo's Sacred Turtle. Well, don't oh, spoil I it in the intro. That. Oh my gosh, man! Yeah, the, the oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh man, I, I I told everyone the name of the villain already. Pifflecoot. Ugh. So what? Yeah. So what are we doing this week, Spencer? We're covering episodes nineteen, twenty, and twenty-one slash twenty-two-ish. I don't know. Like it depends on the numbering you look at. Sometimes they consider. Planet of the Turtleoids to be two episodes, sometimes just considered to be one ginormous episode. Either way, it is a 40-minute thing. The length of two episodes, for sure. Yeah, so this is the end of Season 5. We have Welcome Back, Polarisoids, Michelangelo, the Sacred Turtle, and Planet of the Turtleoids, Parts 1 and 2. Which is different from the Planet of the Turtles that we saw earlier. Yeah. And and I, I was expecting a planet of mutant turtles, but no, they I mean like they they I mean they are, but they don't look just like the ninja turtles. But they're not so, mutants either. Yeah, so. they're not mutants either, they're aliens, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah, my neighbor's here and making my dog bark. Glad I heard a dog. Yeah. Tell him I said hi. The dog or the, the neighbor. The dog. Ah. Spencer says hi, Chi Chi. <laughs> she thumped her tail. It's about oh. as much it's about as much of approval as you're gonna get. Her name's Chi Chi? Uh Chiana. Oh Chiana, I heard. Okay. We, yeah, call, her we, we call her Chi Chi for short, yeah. Oh, okay. Friends call her Chi Chi. Yeah. So you can call her Chiana. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll I'll win her over eventually. That's, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's Miss Chiana to you. From the other side of the computer. <laughs> Cool, let's uh, dig in then and talk about these episodes. Perhaps I can best explain. The story of my young friends and I is really the story of a man named Hamato Yoshi. All 
Ready, ready, ready. I am up first. This is Welcome Back Polarisoids, Season 5, Episode 19, originally aired November 16th, 1991, written by Misty Taggart. So Krang has sent a message to Fripp the Polarisoid, inviting him back to Earth, but he made it look like the invitation was from the Turtles. Krang has been able to reverse Fripp's technology using a videotape that he left behind, so now, instead of sucking the subjects into the tapes, it spits them out. He's planning to use this to sow chaos and occupy the turtles while he takes over the city. Fripp and the rest of his Polarisoid family meet up with the turtles, but are ambushed by Shredder on the way back to their lair. Shredder steals Fripp's camera and unleashes a monster from the tape before escaping. So then Shredder's using this video camera and he's unleashing like lava monsters on the city because they were trapped on the camera. Uh, the turtles go to help, excluding Michelangelo because he stayed back in the lair to watch uh, the Polarisoid kids. Krang is taking over the city with some sort of supercomputer and controlling all the electronics like traffic lights and ATMs in the city. He's also in control of the city's robotic garbage trucks, and one of them tries to compact the turtle van. But luckily, Donatello is able to save them by interfacing with the truck computer. Shredder unleashes an anti-gravity... Excuse me. Shredder unleashes an anti-gravity dimension... On the city so everything starts floating away except for shredder because he has an anti-gravity belt that or wait a positive gravity belt that krang gave to him an anti-anti-gravity belt he does he's he's immune from the effects of negative gravity you understand what i'm saying so everything starts floating up including michelangelo and the polaris sword kids from the sewer who knock the camera out of shredder's hands Fripp is able to retrieve it and turns off the anti-gravity and everything plummets safely back to the ground Donatello presses some buttons in the turtle van that apparently fry whatever computer Krang was using to take over the city. Fripp accidentally unleashes a monster that sends Shredder blasting off again. April gets to interview the Polarisoids, and the day is saved. The Polarisoids say they'll be back in some absurd amount of time, but Donatello calculates it out, and they really just meant, like, next Tuesday. The end. Riveting. All right, we'll uh, start with my story, then. Michelangelo, the Sacred Turtle. It's episode number 20 of season five. It aired November 16th of 1991 and was written by Dennis O'Flaherty. Get ready for this. O'Malley's Comet is coming and Leo, Don, and Raph don't want to miss seeing it. They try to get Michelangelo to go with them, but he has zero interest. He's got a mummy movie marathon to watch. They leave him be, but then April calls him and invites him to come witness the opening of a real-life mummy sarcophagus. He jumps at the chance. On his way into the museum with April, they are warned by a Professor Pifflecoot that the opening of the sarcophagus is a bad idea. They'll be cursed by being there. They go in anyway, and the professor opening the sarcophagus says there's nothing to worry about. He opens the ancient coffin to reveal the body of Amon Turtel who looks a lot like a ninja turtle. Uh, and with his body, there is a sacred ruby. Shortly after the reveal, the lights go out and the ghost of Osiris appears, or should I say Osiris, as they say in this episode. Anyway, he appears and tells them that they are cursed and that there's a whole curse thing here now. Uh, when the lights turn back on, April and the ruby are gone. Mikey phones the others who are enjoying the comet but they are also out of range of the phone, so he cannot reach them. They don't learn about the problem until they get... The other turtles don't learn about the problem until they get back and see a newscast. 
During that time, followers of Amon Turtel mistake Michelangelo for Amon Turtel. They worship him as their pharaoh. It also turns out that the curse isn't real. We cut to April, who has been kidnapped by Piffelkut and his henchmen and brought to Piffelkut's place, which is a giant sphinx that was once part of a World's Fair. He plans to fire a beam through the ruby that will hit the comet and crash down on him, giving him power. Or something like that. I don't know. It never keeps it straight. Eventually, Michelangelo remembers that he saw large footprints of Piffelkut's henchmen earlier and assumes correctly that April that they took April and the ruby. He goes with his new followers to Piffelkut's Sphinx, and they try ringing his doorbell to get in. Uh, the doorbell is booby-trapped, and they fall into a pit. Uh, after following their own trail of clues, the other turtles do the same thing with April. Meanwhile, Don and Leo are at the observatory with a giant telescope that they were using to watch the comet earlier, and they fire an unexplained laser out of the telescope, which hits the comet and sends it back into its path. The end. Sorry, I got distracted with the pictures that Keith just sent. Oh, you're good. All right, next up is the final episode of Season 5, Planet of the Turtleoids. Original air date, August 31st, 1991, written by David Watt. Our story opens with our heroes prowling the streets in fedoras and trench coats searching for an all-night pizzeria when they come across a sumo wrestler named Tattoo breaking into a pet shop and saying something about looking for home. But when the Ninja Turtles try to subdue the gigantic wrestler, he electrocutes himself and transforms into a hamster and quickly walks into a cage with the others. Donatello... Donatello deduces that this could only be the work of Shredder and Krang, that deadly duo are once again messing around with mutagen. Donatello reflects on the incident at the pet shop and wonders if maybe they would all be better off if they were still ordinary turtles. Meanwhile, Shredder and Krang are indeed fooling around with mutagen as they prepare to create more mutants so that they can break into a museum and steal a giant ruby. The villains hope that they can use this gem to refocus Krang's new heat ray and finally free the Technodrome. Back at the lair, the effects of being shunned by human society at large have gotten to Donatello, who wonders if they have a place, if there's a place where the turtles can be accepted for who they are. But later that night, at the city wild animal park, Shredder orders Bebop and Rocksteady to abduct one lion and one gorilla to prepare for mutation. While drowning his sorrows in a root beer float and lamenting his status to Channel 6 News, Vernon encounters a human turtle, a humanoid turtle named Kerma, wearing a trench coat and fedora, and runs screaming into the night. Nonplussed, Kerma arrives at the city wild animal park and sets free Shredder's lion and gorilla before they've mutated. And thanks to Bebop and Rocksteady's bumbling, a bull and a mole are mutated instead. Shredder decides that these two mutants will have to do and gives them their outfits. Back at Channel 6, Vernon tells April about his encounter with what he believes to be one of the R turtles, only, to, only this turtle he met was only three feet tall. April is sure that Vernon did not meet one of the turtles and contacts them to find out what's going on. At the zoo, the new mutants name themselves Ground Chuck and Dirtbag. Shredder orders them to steal a giant ruby from the museum, but the two would rather just rip the zoo apart. The turtles meet April, Irma, and Vernon at the news station where Michelangelo explains that whomever Vernon did see, it wasn't one of them. 
But then Raphael is concerned that someone is ripping off their style and Turtles set out to investigate. As soon as they leave the Channel 6 news building, not only do they encounter Ground Chuck and Dirtbag who are itching for a fight, but Kerma as well, who captures all six of them and takes them back to his spaceship, which is designed to not only look like the Chrysler building in New York. April arrives down the street with her minicam, but the Chrysler, the Chrysler spaceship has blasted off into space. On the flight to his home planet, Kerma explains that he and his fellow turtleoids have a problem, and he is seeking typical Earth people for advice. Unfortunately, he had no idea that Groundchuck and Dirtbag are not humans, and as for the turtles, he thought they just had honest faces. Meanwhile, Bebop and Rocksteady kidnap April along with her turtle com and bring her back to Shredder and Krang at the City Wild Animal Park. Rocksteady informs Shredder that the turtles have not responded to the turtle com signal, and Bebop suggests that maybe the turtles are indeed gone. Meanwhile, the turtles, along with Groundchuck and Dirtbag, arrive at the planet Shell Rila. Donatello is ecstatic. This is exactly what he's been dreaming about. A world where turtles can live free. But back at the Technodrome, Shredder is convinced that the turtles are history and acknowledging defeat in the Great Ruby Caper, declares that he will build a super intelligent and utterly invincible robot to, build, to pull off his latest scheme. Back on Shell Rilla, the turtles see one of the turtleoids' alchemy machines, which they use to turn lead into gold. As Kerma explains to the turtles, the reflection of the gold light provides the turtleoids with their energy, just like food. But before the turtles can enjoy any more of their vacation on Shell-Rilla, Groundchuck and Dirtbag escape. Meanwhile, back on Earth, April escapes, and Shredder has completed work on his new robot, known as Chrome Dome, who quickly recaptures April. As Kerma takes the turtles to the High Council chambers of Shell-Rilla, they are soon approached by the turtleoids' small problem that he was going to Earth for, a large two-headed dragon. The dragon known as Herman the Horrible, along with his new recruits, Groundchuck and Dirtbag, destroy the power source to force the force dome of Shell-Rilla, leaving the city vulnerable. The turtleoids accuse the turtles of sabotage and throw them into prison. Despite all of this, Donatello still appreciates Shell-Rilla for being a planet of all turtles. Whereas Michelangelo says Shell-Rilla has none of the things that the turtles appreciate back on Earth, such as rock and roll, video games, or pizza. And Raphael chimes in that the turtleoids have proven themselves just as biased towards the turtles as humans have towards them on Earth. Leonardo protests that they all must escape and confront the two-headed monster Herman the Horrible, which they all agree. Kerma helps the turtles escape by giving them a standard turtleoid attire. As Donatello dons his turtleoid robe, he remarks on the irony. He could understand sneaking around disguised on Earth, a human planet, but here they're on a planet of turtles and still have to be disguised. The turtles decide to end Herman the Horrible's reign of terror once and for all. After Leonardo discovers Herman is no more than a machine, Donatello blasts him with a pulverizer ray, and Herman the Horrible is soon revealed to be no more than two corrupt turtleoid leaders who were sick of using gold for energy and want gold for real. They attempted to overthrow Shell-Rilla's government. After capturing Shredder's mutants as well as the turtle teens, they all decide to head home, but they are at least thanked by Kerma for saving Shell-Rilla, and he says that maybe he'll return one day to see them. Meanwhile, Shredder's newly created Chrome Dome leads an army of foot soldiers to build a smaller version of the Technodrome called the Mini Technodrome. Once the turtles have returned, 
they destroy both the new Technodrome and Chrome Dome. Raphael is sorry that Donatello had to leave Shell but Donatello remarks that he's glad to be back on Earth. Shell had no video games and, worst of all, no pizza. Man, that definitely was something that they needed to make two episodes. That was, yeah, that was definitely a riveting two-parter. Yeah. I'm just amazed you got through it all, Mike. <clears throat> it it with less stops than I actually anticipated. So, well, and it, on the bright side, there's no more two parters to summarize from here on out. You know what? I'll miss them. This has been our first two parter, though, too, right? Yeah, I think it's the only two parter in the whole series. <laughs> yeah, because well, I mean, the only other one was a three parter. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the big, the big three, the big, big trilogy. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. Hey, nice junk. Episode 19. Welcome back, Polarisoids. Uh, while running away from a boulder, Rocksteady asks if he'd seen that in the movie once. Can anyone guess the movie? Could it be Indiana Jones? Oh, that is correct. Uh, it's actually Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's uh, the, the movie. Indiana Jones is a character in the it's that movie those people are watching in the theater at the beginning of Chicken Little when the when the water tower falls and like flies through the screen. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Man, the, the Chicken Little fans will get that reference. They're the yeah, they'll people that grip my <laughs> There's generation. There's a Chicken Little 2 coming out. Did you know that? I did not know. I knew there was a Chicken Run sequel coming out. Which oh, that's, that's what also I meant. got that's me what I meant. excited. Never mind. Cause, Never mind. Because that movie was a huge part of my childhood as well. <laughs> I love no, I love Chicken Run. That was I do too. I, I love all those Ardman movies. It's been like 20 years. Why are they doing a... I, yeah, it's been 23 years. Why are they doing a sequel now? Hey, look, if Avatar gets to have a sequel, so does Chicken Run. Oh, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. One of the <laughs> actors from, from Avatar, because they filmed Avatar 2 like four years ago or something stupid, he thought it had already come out and flopped, and that's why he hadn't heard anything about it. But no, it was just in post-production for so long that he forgot about it. <laughs> I mean, like Chris Worthington or Sam Worthington, like what has he done <laughs> since this, since Avatar? I don't know. I'm apparently like one of the like people in the minority that have never seen Avatar. Like, I mean, I just I watched it for the first time, like literally a couple weeks ago. Yeah, like I've heard like it's it's the highest grossing film, and I'm like, oh well, I'm I must be in a minority then. <laughs> of people who haven't seen it yeah no i saw him like like the television version in like 2018 or something stupid yeah i mean it's, I it's fine for it. it's fine i can't believe it's called unobtainium i there's a lot in that movie that i can't believe that they actually did and you know what whatever <laughs> there's a lot i can't believe they did and i can't believe it's the highest grossing movie of all time yeah <laughs> yeah my, my wife uh, told me that it's just fern gully but with like blue people I mean, basically, yeah, it's, you know, it's Dances with Wolves, it's Ferngully, it's all of those kind of movies, but uh, back to Turtles. Uh, So Fripp, uh, we meet Fripp's family in this one, his wife, Millimeter, uh, his children, Say Cheese and F-Stop. Yeah, what what great names. So All camera-related names. All camera-related names. F-Stop was the one that threw me, but F-Stop apparently is a brand. 
So oh, I, I thought think, it was like an aperture thing. Yeah, it's also an aperture thing. I mean, I I was looking it up and it was like could grand, be both, right? Like camera, like camera stuff, but yeah, it's also an aperture. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I took it for now that I Google it. The first link is what is f stop and how does it work? That yeah. didn't come up when I googled my f stop. Sounds like a truck stop you don't want to be at. <laughs> That's an f stop. stop. <laughs> But yeah, this episode is a sequel to Camera Bugged, season three, episode 20. It's a callback all the way to that one. They brought back the Polarisoids, hence Man. the title. Welcome I back, Polarisoids. When we were watching that, I had mentioned that like I had I was really sick when I saw that episode and I thought it was all a fever dream, but then I saw it again and it was exactly the same. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's how uh, all three of these episodes went for me. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I do distinctly remember the part where it's raining cats and dogs because I remember asking my dad about that, like, like why that was funny. And he had to explain it to me. This is the second and final appearance. This is the second and final appearance of Fripp and the only appearance of his family. Wow. Why didn't we get in? Why didn't we get an action figure of Fripp in that, in that NECA line? I mean, I honestly, we need a Fripp figure. He has more appearances than some of the characters they've already. Yeah, I know. He's got more appearances than the Triceratons. He does. He's got the same amount of appearances as you saw you Jimbo. Oh my gosh. I mean, and Hokum Hair. <laughs> and Hokum so. Hair. I'm I'm pr- I'm almost certain that they meant to write those Hokum Hair episodes with Usagi and then they couldn't and so then they put in Hokum Hair instead. Honestly, I mean maybe like and maybe like Stan Sakai was like totally opposed to um doing it do you think they called him up he's like okay but is he going to be defeated with a pizza again and they just like hung up and like okay we can't use well well, he's like he's like you want to turn Usagi Ojimbo into a an idiot (laughs) you want you want him to be the Easter Bunny absolutely not no you want him to be the Easter Bunny you want him to screw everything up more you know all the time whatever you want to make him an even bigger idiot than you made up in the previous episodes no 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 thank you hard pass not happening why did why did the polaris woods get another episode like <sighs> because who was it that wrote the first one was it was it david wise who was it no it was, uh, it was I, misty taggart the first one was camera bugged was mark edens and uh michael edens and then the second one, this new one is Welcome Back, Blair. So is Misty Taggart. I have no idea. Maybe, maybe she liked that idea. Who knows? Didn't they just like put one-off characters into a hat and like down the line, they're like, "All right, uh, we need an episode. Drop from this hat and write an episode about that character." I feel like we just really yeah. need to like learn, just like get one of them on the show and ask them the writing process, and just hope that they're super, just like brutally honest with <laughs> with the way we they were, did everything. We were high. Yeah, percent of the time we came in at 9 a.m. We did three lines of cocaine and then we woke up at like two in the morning. And, and there was a script there laying yeah, on the table exactly. that I didn't remember. Right? Nobody, nobody knows where it came from. There. Yeah, there wasn't a time our names the building, on it, but yeah. Uh, okay, we might a lot, of, a lot of weird animation things. errors in this one, too. My second personality, Dennis O'Flaherty, just kind of wrote it for me that comes out whenever I have cocaine. Uh, <laughs> O'Flaherty. Anyway, 
Moving on to episode 20, Michelangelo the Sacred Turtle. Oh boy. Uh this episode. Uh got a lot of anchovies for it. Uh, yeah, I have but, a lot of anchovies too, and I'm I'm saving them for the anchovies. Yeah, I'm trying to yeah. trying to <laughs> not I don't have here. I don't have any really references that it made. I mean it called a guy, it named one of the Egyptian characters Caspa, uh, which is uh a city down there? I don't know. I just know the song Rock the Caspa by The Clash. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was Rock the Cash Bar. No, it's it uh, Rock the Caspa. Yeah. Rock the Caspa. Well, I have made a fool of myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're no, on a podcast talking about Ninja Turtles. True. Every week. Uh, right off the bat, holy typo, Batman. Yeah, I was episode. gonna say like Michelangelo's uh, name is like misspelled in the title card. Yeah, but not nice. in the usual like Michelangelo, like where they spell Michael Angelo. It's like they put two A's, so it's M I C H A L. Yeah, it's completely wrong. M- Michelangelo changes outfits halfway through this episode. He goes from like a sailor outfit to the classic fedora and trench coat. Oh yeah. And then back to a sailor, and then like people just think he's a sailor, but then they recognize him as my anyway. Yeah. Never mind, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> All right, this one's actually the second time around, and not just an anchovy that seems like a fun fact. Uh, <laughs> hieroglyphics they read them incorrectly in this episode. They're they're read from the bottom up, and you like snake it. So you go bottom left to right, then you go up a line, and you go right to left, and then you go up a line, and you go left to right. Oh. Wow. Over and over and over. Yeah. So there you go. That's your fun fact for the week, podcast listener. There we go. Turtle Power Hour, where you'll ne- learn how to read hieroglyphics. Are we good to move on to Planet of the Turtleoids? Uh, let's see. <laughs> just looking at the other things here. Spencer just got a can opener over there, just getting these. I, yeah, he's, out. He just yeah. wants open. He just wants open. <laughs> oh, I am, man. <clears throat> I'm ready to unload on Michelangelo's sacred turtle. Uh, so, okay. So, Planet of the Turtleoids in this super long episode. Um, it was kind of weird how they like introduced four action figures in like in one episode. Yeah. Yeah, like, a lot of first appearances. So we got tattoo, ground chuck, and dirt bag, and chrome dome, and chrome dome. And, and, uh, and like there was never a Kroma Chrom- uh, figure until NECA, but like, but yeah, like four action figures and like tattoo, you can really tell they had no idea what to do with him. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know what they did with them in adventures really, because those issues aren't available anymore for being uh, culturally insensitive, racially insensitive, one, you know, one or the other or both. Culturally, um, yeah. <laughs> Religi- religiously insensitive. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, first there's the issues that are in China, which is where tattoos in, and then they go to the Middle East, and both of those are no longer included in uh, in the reprints of Adventures. They've been left out. But he yeah, appears ta- in number 32, which is the same year this episode came out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, like, usually just a regular sumo wrestler, uh, but, like, really extra strong. Not a mutant hamster, though. Yeah, that was like, weird. That was new. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, like, you could tell they had, like, no idea. Like, they had a toy design, and they were like, oh. oh. But not, <laughs> not only that, they had this toy design of a sumo wrestler with tattoos where the rest of the toys are mutant animals. 
<laughs> like, like except for Shredder and like maybe the old Baxter Stogman figure and like Casey Jones. Like everything is mutant animals, but then they were just like, oh yeah, we want the sumo wrestler with tattoos in there. Uh, yeah, put him in the cartoon. And it's and like there's uh, there were other mutant like animals that you could use. Like why tattoo? I, I have no idea. I, I guess April is another human, but like, it, yeah, th- those are characters that like were included in the comics. They have plots. Like it makes sense. Like why on earth is the character you created to be an action figure and then that has to get included in these other things? A sumo wrestler with tattoos. Well, why did, <laughs> he turns back into a hamster when he's electrocuted. Like, yeah. Yeah. What? I like that Turtlepedia lists his ethnicity as appears Japanese. <laughs> yeah. The yellow skin didn't give it away. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Yeah, I mean, it's we're just, we're, oh, that, that. Can of anchovies is burst is ready to yeah. burst. I mean, my, I mean, you see that though in this episode. Like, if you think it was yellow in this episode, I've seen the comic book covers for the issues he's in. Oh yeah, yeah. and it's even worse for those. He is jaundiced as hell. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was kind of interesting that like there's there was a little bit of continuity that the zoo that they're at is supposedly the zoo from the uh, Shredder. Uh, from um, the first episode, Turtle Tracks. Yeah, we're, we're, Bebop and Rocksteady. Yeah. yeah, and then and then the continuity ends there. <laughs> yeah, like so the continuity. Yeah, the continuity just kind of ends there. Um, but it's it's really weird that like, uh, like it, it's neat that they reference that. Um, they're like, hey, this is the same zoo that we came from. But like, Bebop and Rocksteady, like they act like they have fond memories of it, like they were always the Rhino. yeah Yeah. man yeah and so that like that like made me think is like are like the minds merged because because i think we've asked before like what happens to what happens to like the animal when they do the mutation they didn't disappear they're still there i mean it's not like splinter disappeared after the turtles got mutated it's the last thing you came in contact with well right, right right but we didn't i mean but we didn't see like we we never saw like oh like did he release those that rhino and warthog like i don't know shredder's shredder's evil he probably just had them for dinner like i I don't know he wants to make turtle soup out of turtles yeah (laughs) probably got a freezer full of rhino meat (laughs) (laughs) although you know it was the punks that were tied down and not the animals it's possible they made the animals touch the punks the animals mutated and they just killed the punks right (laughs) But 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 Bebop and Rocksteady like remember things like uh, the, old, the gang. old gang, the old yeah. gang, yeah. So it must be like a mind merge thing then, yeah. But no one else's minds have ever merged from this though. Like that's true, yeah. Like the Splinter still has to tell the turtles about Shredder, yeah. He doesn't huh. have memories of being like a rat. It's uh, like you know the rat that touched him. You know the turtles don't have Splinter's <laughs> memories. That's why like, he's doing all that meditating for. He's like gotta block out all that garbage eating. Gotta <laughs> block out the rat. Block out the rat. Bury it down deep. His PTSD is uh, way worse than anything Hamato Yoshi ever experienced. <laughs> yeah. So this is like, so so it's funny because like we always joke about like how the mutagen is never consistent, but this is like almost the most consistent it's ever been since the first episodes. Like, because they even specifically like reference how uh, Ground Chuck and Dirtbag mutated and like they specifically make mention like, oh, you know they must have been next to you. That's why they're humanoids. 
and they don't have bebop and rocksteady's mind or memories as well. <laughs> yeah yeah like it's like it's weird but it, then it's like okay so like so bebop and rocksteady still have their human dna <laughs> yeah um uh, so it's just it's it's funny because like it's almost it's almost continuity but then it's like none of the continuity really makes sense yeah, yeah. and then uh animantium that's like specifically a thing created by Marvel, right? Or is that like a real thing that's, I mean, no, that, I thought, a... I've always thought that was a comic book Marvel myth, mythology thing, right? Oh, oh yeah. The... So it is a reference to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think so. Because um... the Chrome Dome, they say he's made of adamantium, except for that steel plate on his back, which is, you know, they say like the hardest metal known to man. And I was like, okay, this is something out of a Marvel comic book, right? But then it made me I question could... it because I was like, maybe they trade, but like, wouldn't Marvel come after them for saying that or something? I don't know. Maybe things aren't as rife with lawsuits as they are nowadays when it comes to, to IPs. Probably. I, I also think like maybe under parody X-Men law. I thought it, was like a real metal. It's just like the Marvel version was was uh, the indestructible one. But uh, yeah, apparently it was created by Marvel. Yeah. Okay. So there's a reference there. We're good. Yep. I know it sounded really stupid All thinking right, so that Animantium yes. was a real metal, but this made me question everything. Marvel <laughs> was also like about to go bankrupt at this time. So I didn't know none of 91. That's right. That's this still the comics boom right now. It kind of is yeah. like the middle of the 90s is when it crashes. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, like we're still we're still we're still pre like Fox X-Men. We've yeah. we've watched so much of the show that I think it's like 1996. I know, right? You know, <laughs> coming out with so many episodes. Yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah, it's like 96 is when, because like in my read through right now of DC, like sudden, like in 96, like Guy Gardner Warrior drops, Hawkman drops, like all of those like B character issues, mm-hmm. like comic book series, they just stop. It's like it just crashed, right? Like at the end of the, like right in late mid 90s. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny that uh, Vernon, when he's drowning his sorrows at the diner, uh, doesn't pay for his um root beer float. Yeah, he just walks out. He just walks out. <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of made up elements uh like adamantium in Star Trek they use dilithium and in this episode I think Shredder and Crane were trying to get trilithium which is one more lithium. Yeah. Oh. There you go. Well dilithium is would be bilithium is two. Dilithium is more. Would it be ten? That's decalithium. I'm pretty sure di is also two. Bi and di are two. Di may actually mean half, actually, now that you say that. Well, carbon dioxide is Oh, that's true. It's carbon two. two Two oxygen. We're learning so much on this podcast tonight, know, guys. Yeah, both both by and die or two. We're good. All right. Okay. <laughs> I also, guys, I gotta believe that Groundchuck's name was originally Bullseye. He's got bullseyes all over him. He's a okay. bull. Well, thank you for right. reminding me of this. Um, so Shredder's original plan was the gorilla and the lion. Yeah. And Krang very specifically says at one point bring them outfits yes so the outfits he brought for that ground chuck and dirtbag ultimately wear that are themed to them 
we're meant for a lion and a gorilla. Right. Dude, a gorilla a metal... horns would be dope. I yeah. don't know what you... Well, a metal hoof and a cattle themed yeah, belt. Yeah, a metal hoof, <laughs> a metal hoof, the belt with the cow head on it. The, uh, the gorilla then, was just going to be a cowboy, man. Yeah. And then the lion was going to have like a miner's hat and the tank top. The, the yeah. tank top. And, uh, Dude, I bet that if given the chance, lions would be fantastic miners. All right. So. <laughs> Have you it's seen just, it, have you seen just, the apes riding horses in Planet of the Apes? It's awesome. I mean, that is cool. That is, you know? that is a great part of it. Why movie. would you not want the gorilla to be a cowboy? It's just it's just so funny that like <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what Shutter bought uh, brought for different ones and it's like it, it's just funny. Yeah, no it is. Uh, so I was reading a little bit more. Uh, apparently, in Archie Comics, View Up and Rock City showed signs of remembering the, their lives of their uh, animal sides already. Yeah, well, in the Archie Comics, they kind of they don't actually show them get mutated in the Archie Comics, and so they kind of go back and actually retcon the origins a little bit. Mm. And so, View Up and Rock City did get retconned in that to be the actual animals themselves. They, but like later on in the series, they kind of go back and retcon some some things. Uh, so I was looking at uh, Chrome Dome because they made a very like like the way they defeat him is that like Shredder had run out of adamantium, and so there's a small panel on his back, like in the small of his back at his belt, mm-hmm. uh, that is just like regular metal. And so I was like, that's a very like that, that's such a thing that's like pointed out very specifically, and like April makes reference to like. There's like, oh, nobody's gonna hear that. And April's like, looks to the camera, and I was like, I heard it. Yeah. Um, because she's the one who tells the turtles like where it is. So I was like, I'm gonna look at my NECA Chrome Dome and see if and see if that's there because that seems like a thing that like NECA would have made sure to put on their figure. And they kind of did. Uh, the panel is there in the small of his back, but it's not white like it is in the episode. Also, I forgot how big this Chrome Dome figure is. He's looking pretty big. I mean, he was really big in the show, so makes sense. Yeah. yeah. He's actually like, I think the action figure is too small, even, and it's still huge. Yeah. Uh, Shangri La is, you know, Shangri La. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm trying to see if there's anything else. Um, nope. It's anchovies time. All right. Anchovies time. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I can't let you know. Back to Welcome Back Polarizoids. Man, what? Burn doesn't believe there's aliens. Yeah, Burnin when he comes running in. Well, no... Burn doesn't. And Burn's oh. the one who was kidnapped by, uh, by Elvis aliens. aliens. Yeah. But then, yeah, Vernon doesn't believe it either. He even like chides April for talking about turtles. It's like you went to Dimension X with the turtles. Yeah. Uh, like you know about Krang. Yeah, there's such bad continuity in this episode. Like I thought they didn't use robot garbage trucks after the episode Turtles Turtles Everywhere when the robot garbage trucks like went wild the first time. But no, they're still in service. They're still here. <laughs> and then why don't they use the gravity boots from Sky Turtles? Because oh, they're, they're broken. They're broken. 
and and they i guess they updated it i don't know man you know <laughs> yeah I, it just annoyed me i'm like why'd you get one belt to to shredder and and not one to bebop and rock study which was stupid anyway I, yeah <laughs> also guys i watched the episode i watched it twice because i was like i surely i missed something at one point the polarisoid wife is on a subway car that's like running away right mm-hmm. how'd she get on the car how'd you get on the subway it's never explained. Yeah. And well, then uh, also like the other thing is like the turtles, like don't even necessarily like reflect their personalities. I feel like in this episode, a lot of points, like there's like at one point where Donatello's pretty much like this, the one taking charge. Uh, I don't know. There's just a lot of different weird moments. Like, or, like Leonardo was like the one to like figure out the smart thing and like say to do it. Or maybe it was Raphael either way. Like it just didn't feel like they're really like, like all their roles kind of got switched around and mixed up. Uh, which I don't know, I guess in some cases you could say as like three-dimensional character writing, but in this one, it just felt like the smart one was this was not the smart one anymore. I don't know. Well, remember Leonardo's Leonardo's the Renaissance turtle now, so he is there you go. Him. He He's cracked one him. joke and kicked a robot and is therefore the Renaissance turtle. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Fair enough. That's all the anchovy they had for this one. It's actually probably like my least uh anchovied episode. <laughs> Krang at this point is just in full like like that Moon Knight beam meme where he's like just random BS go like yeah yeah he's in full full force with that here she's like well I don't know we'll use the Polarosoids and I'll use the supercomputer just get out there you know <laughs> yeah at this point I'm just convinced that he just wants to cause chaos and bother the turtles and that's yeah I think I think Krang is just having fun and just wants to mess around with everybody. Yeah, like his whole plan is like, we'll use the Polarisoid camera to sow chaos, and meanwhile, I'll use my supercomputer to sow further chaos. It's like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, that's all I got for that episode. All right. Michelangelo the Sacred Turtle. Uh, guys, I I love it when Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1987 does a casual racism. Oh, yeah. This, this, episode, <laughs> this episode is aged horribly yeah oh boy um just uh we've talked before about how kind of uncomfortable sometimes the show got with uh chakahachi and lotus and uh you know whatever else other um <laughs> different culture or uh race they decided to portray and whoo this one this one really did take it to a whole another level. This like, one this is... really took it to a whole another level. Um, it like there's so many like weirdly offensive things like towards Egyptians. Like none of the Egyptian characters in here are like all of them are white, except Casbah, who doesn't talk. That might be for and, the best. Yeah, and it's like, and all the other ones are like, they're not, they're not played by like authentic like you know Egyptian people or anybody from that region of the world. Um, yeah, well, it's just people doing a Middle Eastern accent, and not I, only I thought I felt like they were doing like an Indian accent. Yeah, it's like Some Indian, like yeah, Indian yeah, Middle yeah, Eastern, Indian. They're, yeah. they're, they're which is like two different accents together. too. Yeah, it's like, and so it's like it's like a double racism, and it's like. Yeah, yeah, no, and they're like they're like old, stodgy, blue-haired white guys too. <laughs> like, 
like very much not on point. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing about the accents is like, not only are they, you know, bad, they're obnoxious. <laughs> like yeah. the way yeah. these guys, the voices they do and everything for these characters, like it's, it's just not well done and it's just annoying. Like it gets to the point where I just want these guys following Michelangelo around to just like, just shut up. Like I just wanted them to shut up, yeah. be out of the story and to leave. It's funny because, like, it reminds me of, like, you know, the accent that my uncle used to do, like, you know, when he was alive, he'd do this, like, fake Indian accent. And my, and I, you know, I was, you know, five, six. I thought it was funny sounding. I didn't know, like, and he didn't, I'm sure he didn't mean anything by it either. But, you know, looking back on it now, this is that accent. And I'm like, uh, yeah, not no, as funny I, anymore. <laughs> I I've picked it up and I do it as a kid because I learned it from Short Circuit. Yeah, uh, the the character in there, the movie where they got the real robot and the fake Indian guy. Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, kids don't do a casual racism. <laughs> yeah. Try try and uh, try and not do that just for everybody's sake. Uh, another thing is on top of all that, Professor Pifflecoot was like hard to understand. Like they had him like it, record so softly. Well, I th- it was the, it's the voice that Rob Paulson's doing. Like, yeah. And I think he was just trying something different mm-hmm. and it wasn't bad, but like the sound mixing is really weird. And so he's like, he's not pitched lower, but like, it's like his volume is a lot lower. Yeah. It, it's, um, which, it's just hard to hear him hard to understand it's, it's, it's hard to hear what he says a mm-hmm. lot of the time then you like crank up your volume and then all of a sudden you've got like people shouting bah, bah, it's bah, too bah, loud. Bah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like the hero theme pops in it's like oh geez yeah uh because i was watching this i took the bus to work today and i was watching this on the bus and, I, and that happened to me <laughs> it's like i had to turn it up a little bit and it's like the hero theme came in and i was like oh jesus <laughs> Everybody's like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, I'm just watching it. I was like, I'm just Children's watching it. cartoon. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. And the, also, this episode is just hard to follow in general. Like, it is There's so, a lot going on. It is so all over the place. And, like, you have characters get introduced that just never show up again. You've got, like, this pyramid that rises up from the ground that didn't need to do that. And that was super complicated. It talks about the rays of, like, the light from the comet touching the beam. But then they, like, well, touching the sacred ruby. But then they, like, are trying to, like, launch a beam from the ruby at the same time on the like on the comet like yeah because were, were they trying to drag the comet to earth was that the thing yeah well, no, no no they they were trying he was trying to hit the he was trying to hit the ruby with the or trying to hit the the comet with the ruby like the beam coming from it yeah because it was supposed to give him powers like it did to uh almond turtle almond turtle yeah um but because so much time had passed and that's what the um that's what the other guy is trying to tell him. He's like, so much time has passed that uh, it, um, like the polarity had changed or whatever, and that it would drag the comet down to Earth and like smash it into the ruby and the Earth. Okay. And so, like, that's that's why they had to get the ruby away from him. But um, Percival Pifflecoot didn't know that. Okay. 
I, I guess paid attention to this episode. <laughs> I guess that was a little detail I missed, uh, which is, was a very important one, which had me very confused. Either way, there's still a whole lot like the pyramid rising up and everything else that was just unnecessary. Oh, yeah. Like, it's all over the place because it's like they go, they like Piffakut is living in like a replica Sphinx that is at the World's Fair, but they like drive out to the desert in it and or to get to it. And then like this temple or this pyramid of, uh, Amin Tertel like rises out of the ground. It's like, was that built at the World's Fair too? <laughs> yeah, like it's just, it's very it's just so much on black and white. Yeah, it, it's it's just there's a lot going on in this episode to justify everything that they're trying to do, and everything in the episode is pretty much explained, but it's all like, what? Well, there there was no reason for the pyramid to rise out of the ground. Like they could have just like that whole part of the writing could have just not existed. Like they could have just had like the the gem be up in the head of the Sphinx or something. Like why did they have to have like a pyramid rising up out of the ground? Like it, other than just I guess for the over the topness effect, so that the turtles would have something to let them know that things are set into motion. It just I guess yeah, it was just, they had like forty five seconds to fill, and they're like, uh, "Pyramid comes out of the ground." <laughs> like yeah, it's one sentence that fills up a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, like it just. It just didn't need to be there and just made the episode that much more complicated and more hard to follow with everything else going on. Like there's just so many things happening that that was just like another thing on top of it that was unnecessary, in my opinion. Um, Also, the telescope laser. Like Donatello goes to go get things to take care of the comet. And then he's just all of a sudden just firing a laser out of this at its telescope and i don't think it was explained at all like i rewound it a little bit <laughs> trying to figure out where this telescope laser came from and he's just pew it comets back in orbit <laughs> like you know they could have used that time to be like oh yes i'll use this like you know device that will be magnified by the telescope it'll launch the thing back into space instead of having a pyramid rise out of the ground you know i don't know yeah he techno babbles everything like when it's convenient yeah <laughs> anyway uh, i forgot to mention uh no shredder no crane this episode um and in hindsight like i've been keeping track of that for these episodes in hindsight i would have kept track of every time april drops her turtle com because she does it again in this episode yeah it's ridiculous like get a chain for the damn thing jesus i mean she keeps it in her purse so well sometimes it's in her breast pocket and magically opens on its own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Planet of the Turtleoids. Um, I feel like there's there's so much going on in this one. Like, there was a lot going on in, in the last episode in 20 minutes. There's a lot going on in this one in 47 minutes. There's so much going on that I forgot that Krang and Shredder were going to use a giant ruby to make a heat ray until I, you said it at the beginning of the of your summary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I also yeah, I also forgot about that. They totally um, get derailed on on that thing. And it's like I had, I literally just watched the episode before we recorded and <laughs> and I had forgotten about the ruby. Yeah. This is like peak David Wise. Like it's like four or five scripts all put into one episode like there's just way too much going on yeah well and not to mention it is like the tropiest of like the just 87 tropes like it, it's just every single one of them april is kidnapped 
we need more mutants. We need to steal a thing to get the Technodrome free, and we need mutants to do that thing. Like, so many of those tropes just in that Shredder and Krang B-plot that is there that is just a everything that this series is known for doing way too many times. Yeah. <laughs> They're like... So they kind of reused Sky Turtles for the first episode we watched. Um, I, or God, I already forgot. It was Welcome Back Polarisoids, right? There was like all the anti-gravity stuff. And this one, isn't Chrome Dome just Alpha 1 again? Like, wasn't that the whole point of Alpha 1 was to have a, a foot soldier to lead the other foot soldiers? Yeah, it's like, you no, know, you're, you're right. Like, it's just another Alpha 1. And it's like, you built a bigger Alpha 1. That looks like that, Shredder. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of looks that kind of looks like Shredder. So there's like, oh, there's a little a little uh, narcissism there, but um, and it's like you built, but it's like, why did you build him to look like this with the ultimate goal of just ordering the other foot soldiers to build the Technodrome? He he literally, it's kind of a funny scene, but he's just like standing behind one of the foot soldiers, just like work faster. Work yeah. harder, work faster. <laughs> like he's berating this foot soldier. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> it's 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 just it's so weird. Yeah. The, my other thing is like Vernon is scared by the turtleoid and like runs off when he has been with the ninja turtles, been to Dimension X, done all these things, and he's like suddenly frightened when the turtleoid reveals who it is. And he runs off and he's scared, and everyone's acting like they've never seen the ninja turtles before. And that they're this secret that doesn't exist. It, it's just one of those things where, like, I thought the continuity was getting a little bit better with that. And, like, just being like, oh, yeah, everyone kind of accepts the turtles exist at this point. But, like, it straight up goes into the territory of acting like they've never known this whole time. Um, Yeah, we already talked about Rocksteady saying that this is the same zoo they came from before they were mutated or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a whole can of worms. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Guys, uh, I thought Herman was awful. Like his, yeah, he, he was his horrible. voices are terrible. Yeah, yeah he was horrible. Uh, <laughs> but if he's a robot, like okay, I get why the heads argue with each other, I guess, because it's the two like senators or whatever, right? Yeah, like yeah. They're yelling at each other back and forth. But when the turtles like go to the cave where Herman's the robot Herman is the robot's asleep and it's snoring. Yeah, well, and then they make a joke of, like, something about cheap, uh, cheap, like, writing techniques to create suspense or something along those lines. And it's just another one of those things where I'm just like, this this like, this cartoon, like, hates itself. Like, it, yeah. it's not even... <laughs> yeah. It's like self-hatred. That's the only reason it was snoring? That's stupid. I mean, yeah, it, it's a robot. It shouldn't snore. Any, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wrote something stupid. Now I'm going to make a joke and point it out, and that's going to make it okay. Like, right. I feel like they do that so much in this series. Like I said, to the point where it feels like it's it's more like self-hatred than it is. It's like, yeah, this show is dumb. I'm not going to take any time to actually care. I'm just going to crack a joke about it. Move on. Peak <laughs> David Wise. Um, Honestly, just Bork and Mork, I think is their name, something like that. I don't know. The, the two orc guys, the senator guys. What... What is their plan? Like, they could have just destroyed the crystal themselves. They're allowed inside their own dome this whole time. They've been inside these buildings this whole time. Why do they need 
dirtbag and ground truck to destroy it or to like sit and launch missiles at it as Herman the Horrible when they can just go in and destroy the crystal and then terrorize them as Herman the Horrible. They've, they've, they've been inside the dome the whole time. I didn't yeah. even think of that. And now I hate this episode. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't think of that either. And I hate this episode. They've been inside the dome the whole time. Yeah. There was no need for any of the plot or like when the turtles escape from prison and everyone's just like, yeah, it's whatever. We're cool with you. It was just those two guys that, you know, are upset about you being here. Yeah. Like so much of this episode is just like stream of consciousness writing, not even thinking (laughs) about what they want to do next. Yeah. When your consciousness is riddled with cocaine. (laughs) Sometimes, Jeez. Oh man. It's, it's weird. Cause like, I do kind of like these this two party because like we see ground truck and dirt bag and Chrome yeah. Dome, but then like like, like they're the easily the best part. Crap. Yeah, they're like they're easily the best part, and like I'm gonna talk about them in the next section. But it's like ooh. I want to like them. Like I want to like this episode because they're in it. Because I'm like, ooh, yeah, these new iconic characters that we see in multiple things. But then yeah, it's it's not a good episode. <laughs> it's, no. You know, like like I said. They have this plan to destroy the city with Herman the Horrible because they want to. They can't get him inside because the dome is there. They need to get rid of the dome. They're inside the dome. They could destroy the crystal anytime. Anyway. Uh, my other issue is that like they have this whole like side plot for like Donatello for his character where he like wants to like fit in and he's like, oh, he wants to stay in this world. And then at the very end, instead of like having some sort of meaningful thing. He's all of a sudden just like, and like, never was he, was there ever anything to like solely convince him that, okay, that's better we stay on earth. He just randomly at the end, they're like, well, don't you want to stay? And he's like, oh no, this place is boring. No pizza. Da, 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 yeah. Yeah. And like before he was writing all those things off earlier in the episode, like he was writing them off in the prison cell being like, yeah, pizza's overrated. Actually, I'd rather, I'd rather fit in. And at the end, he's like, oh yeah, no pizza. Boring here. We're leaving. Like what? <laughs> yeah he had no just... character arc it was just like last second oh yeah actually I, I actually do want to go home this place sucks actually yeah you're right yeah. <laughs> putting on airs for nobody right yeah awful and that's it for my anchovies i think i'm done with my anchovies too I at least the I ones I, I took the time to write down right uh, I, <laughs> yeah i am too i mean most of mine were with michelangelo the sacred turtle yeah, no, that one that was the most egregious uh of of episodes for sure. All right, let's let's talk- wrap it back around to things we love. Oh, I love being a turtle. All right. So, you know, I will always respect it when the series decides it's going to build on previous stories and lore, even if it is the Polarisoids. It, at least it's referring back to something that happened before. I can appreciate that. And uh, even if his goals aren't, uh, even if his goals and his plan aren't the most, uh, I guess, focused or apparent, uh, you know, Krang's plan is at least kind of unique compared to what they normally do this time. So I'll I'll give them credit there too. You know, calling up a person that was a friend, but also a problem for the turtles to come back to Earth to cause more problems for the turtles is at least kind of different than getting a device to attack the turtles or getting something to get the technodrome out. Congrats. Yeah, like the plan wasn't terrible. 
I mean, it was an awful plan on their part, but it was at least unique. <laughs> <laughs> it hinged on way too many things going right for them uh, from just doing one tiny thing. Uh, I love that I got a sweet screenshot where the Polarisoid is in the turtle van talking to three different Leonardos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think I mentioned it. Like, there's a lot of animation error yeah. in that episode, like, particularly. Like, there's an overhead shot of them, like, grabbing pizza, but, like, four of the slices are already missing. Yeah. Yeah. What's weird is, like, it feels like the animation's gotten better since especially since like season three like the turtles yeah. are more on model so that's actually one of mine um we've is that like in the I, I think i've said it before like the animation had been pretty good um this is the most consistent some of the, the animation has been in like terms of like everybody's been on model for a long time and this is kind of where we get into like this like season five is where we get into the standard like Ninja Turtle looks like so this is this is this is the season I think that NECA pulled heavily from uh mm-hmm. when doing like their Toon Turtles. Because like it feels like these are like the most on model for them. Definitely. But it, but but all of these episodes are animated pretty well. Like April always looks great. Vernon is always great. Um Bebop and Rock City have their moments where they're not great, but um for the most part, like everybody here is like pretty well animated. True. Ready for next episode, Michelangelo and the Sacred Turtle? Yeah. I've got nothing. I tried. <laughs> I, I really tried. <laughs> the but, animation, uh, the animation was good in this one. There's a funny screenshot of like April in her Egyptian outfit, like shrugging towards the camera. Uh, like when she finds the phone. Like I thought some of the some of the stuff was kind of funny. Um like the fact that he lived in like a fake sphinx at the world's fair like where the world's fair used to be and it's like there's all these modern things kind of hidden throughout it to like make it but made it look they they made it themed so like the the doorbell outside has hieroglyphics on it um like the phone that april finds is like a little like mummy sarcophagus on the wall <laughs> it's like this this episode ex- explained everything like to the point where it was kind of like overbearing but there's a lot of like funny little details in here um so i mean it doesn't it doesn't excuse the casual racism but this, this like little things like har- little harmless things like that cuz aren't bad yeah this actually isn't the first time april's been in egyptian garb there's a an issue of the like original Mirage comics that we didn't read where the turtles go to Egypt. Yes. And, we, and... we plan on when we, I guess when we finish volume four, we plan on going back and covering the guest there. Yeah. Weird, weird stuff. I, I feel like that whole issue was written just to put April in a belly dancing outfit. But anyway, that's, that's something percent. we'll get to when we get well, there. She's been in the, she's been in the belly dancing outfit. In she has as well. Yeah. When they're like when her and Irma are harem girls for like Bebop and Rocksteady or something. Oh, that's like right. That, that was that during... was Shredderville. Yeah, Shredderville. Oh, yeah. The the eighty seven version of uh, same as it never was. <laughs> 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 uh, there's a part in this episode where like 
Michelangelo is getting attacked by these guys and he just keeps ducking and they keep flying over him. And it happens like six times, this same animation. <laughs> just He just keeps carrying on his conversation yeah. with whoever he's talking to. I thought it was hilarious. And then later on, I, I don't know, it's like him and Raph are cornered. And the line that uh, Raphael says is, would you rather die of sword poisoning? I think that's a hilarious line. You know what? I actually did have one joke that I thought was funny in this. And uh, it's when he says they're in a sphinx. And then April says that uh, he sphinx, as in like he stinks or something along those lines. Uh, it, it was it was a terrible pun, but it was so bad that it was good. And so I, I appreciated it. That is the daddest of jokes. It really was. <laughs> All right. Move on to Planet of the Turtleoids, I guess. This, I mean, this did feel pretty epic. Um, like, it's a long episode, but it's like the turtles, you know, are going off into space again to go um, to another planet. And like that, and that's always, that's always neat. Um, but I mean, the big draw here were Ground Chuck and Dirtbag. Like, two of my favorite non-Bewop and Rocksteady mutants. Um, and... It's funny because, like, I only really even liked them from the video games. So finally seeing them in animated form, and I've never even, I never had their toys either. So it's like, I think for me, they, they lived up to exactly what I expected them to be. Uh, yeah, so, I think I only knew them from what they're in the, the third video game, right? Yeah, Manhattan Project. Manhattan Project, yeah. And they were like, they were my favorite two bosses to fight in that game. So it's like, seeing them here, like, was, was really cool. Um, and like I said, they're exactly, exactly like, um, I pictured them to be, but also too, like they were in Shredder's Revenge as a duo boss too. Let me check. Bob, Bob Ridgely, uh, Bob Ridgely plays ground Chuck and Pat Fraley plays Dirtbag. but I'm pretty sure in Shredder's Revenge, it's Rob as, um, Rob as ground Chuck. And Townsend as Dirtbag? Yeah, for me, I do like, I guess, kind of the thing of, like, the Turtles are gone for an extended period of time, and so Shredder and Krang try to make their move. Uh, you know, that's kind of a, a big thing. Uh, so that was kind of a good idea, kind of a cool idea, is to have the Turtles be gone for an extended period of time and their enemies to start taking advantage of it and try and take over the world. And the, the technodrome they built is cool, too. It's like gold. Yeah, the little mini gold technodrome. Now, I don't... This might be an anchovy. I, I kind of loved it myself. Because I said before, like, I'm pretty sure that Krang thinks that to crush his enemies, he has to literally run them over. Yeah, we literally like. crush them. And so, like, in this episode, they build this mini technodrome. And then in flies a rocket ship. I don't know how they know the Ninja Turtles are on it. But, like, they don't shoot at it or anything with their giant warship, the Technodrome. I'm pretty sure they built the thing with no weapons. It's literally supposed <laughs> to just run over stuff. <laughs> and I the turtles fly in. Like... I love the turtles flying in. They're like, oh, hey, a Technodrome. Let's just uh, like shoot the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny because like this is our uh, third mini Technodrome. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like... the one they built in the center of the Earth. Mm -hmm. Oh, I forgot that's not the only one that they've built here in this show. Uh, Cause I was going to say like, there's the mini technodrome in the NES game that you fight. Oh in. yeah. There is um, the toy, the scout technodrome. Mm -hmm. 
and then this one. But yeah, there's also the one they built at the center of the earth. Well, there you go. So the fourth one. <laughs> wow. No, uh, I also, I mean, I do love the concept of Donatello kind of like finding this world where it's like, oh yeah, we can live in in peace here and be able to be ourselves kind of thing, even though they couldn't actually be themselves the whole, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, also, but also there's like other, um, there's other times where Donatello's kind of like wanted to be very different. Like I keep going back to like the survivalists issue of Mirage where like he kind of empathizes with the uh, crap people. Yeah. You know, and I mean, we, we see other like versions of turtles kind of do this too. Like Mikey in the third turtles movie, Mikey also in um, out of the shadows, the 2016 movie. Yeah. Like, Mikey and Raph in that one. Yeah. Like I like the theme. I like the idea. It just needed to be executed better. But I, I liked where they were going with it at the beginning. Yeah. It's just like I was the like, roughest of outline. <laughs> yeah. I was like, here we go. Like, yeah, like, yeah, they're they're starting to talk about like some themes here and you know, some kind of cool things for them to like, you know, to do. And then they just kind of threw it all out the window. But yeah. but I liked where it was going at the beginning. I like uh, like the uh, the turtles and Ground Chuck and and Dirtbag are all tied up. They're getting transported to the planet of the Turtleoids, and Leo produces this pocket knife from like under his wristband. Which I'm like, that's awesome! Like, I love when they have like secret yeah. weapons on them. You know, it's very ninja of them. It's like the they would do, like. I'm, I'm rambling. <laughs> Please cut all that out. Um, it's always so cool. Like when the turtles have all that extra stuff and it's like, I I'm a guy. I love me. I love me some, I'm a kid in the nineties. I love me some pouches. <laughs> so it's like, put some pouches on those turtles, give them some extra weapons, please. Yeah. You know, we talk about good animation. I always appreciate good weapon continuity in this show. Like when Leo's sword gets all bent up and for the rest of the episode, it's all bent up. Even when he has it on his back and then Don, when he's fighting a uh, Chrome dome, who, by the way, looked like a total badass doing all those karate moves in that one quick scene. Uh, but he like he breaks his bow in two, and then later in the sewer layer, it's even strapped to his back in two pieces still. So good on the animators for this one. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, me too. Me three. So three just well animated. <laughs> three well animated episodes. Um, a very <laughs> varying quality which really i mean a very very low bar that they often don't surpass <laughs> right well let's talk about the news this is april o'neill of channel six all right hey for those of you who subscribe to netflix and have a mobile phone if you have netflix on your mobile phone you can now get netflix games so on netflix games is shredder's revenge so just go to netflix scroll down to games click on shredder's revenge you can download it and play it on your phone for free it's pretty cool you have to have an active netflix account to do it but uh we tested it uh i don't think we haven't connected yet, um, but it's basically the game, uh, Shredder's Avenge. Uh, just plays on your phone, plays on the touchscreen using uh, 
using touch buttons and it plays pretty well. Um, I have an iPhone 11 um, and holding game. I don't like generally playing game, video games on my phone anyway, because my hands get cramped. Um, but I mean, this was, it wasn't a bad experience. Yeah. You know, I take, I take the bus to work sometimes. Uh, I could definitely see me uh, whipping this out to play on that commute. I've heard it works with Bluetooth controllers, but I don't have a it does. separate controller. Um, so. Yeah, I have a Bluetooth controller. Um, I don't hook it up to my phone, but uh, it is confirmed that you can hook up a Bluetooth controller to it. So if you have like an 8-BitDo uh, controller. Yeah, I have one of those. Yeah, you can connect it, to, uh, connect it to your phone. I don't know. Apple usually can be a little picky when it comes to trying to connect uh, Bluetooth controllers. Yeah to your phone so so your mileage may i there. struggle with it but if you've got an android you're set uh in other news the last ronin the lost years number one doesn't seem like it's delayed because the people who are behind it and writing it and the artists are all saying it's coming out on the 25th yep tom so waltz, tom waltz as of five hours ago on facebook said next week <laughs> yeah so uh so, minor correction to us saying that uh last week yeah, so make sure that uh, you let your comic book shops know and make sure you're in next week, I guess the day after this episode comes out, actually, to be there to get your issue of The Last Ronin, The Lost Years. And that should be it for news for us. Cool. So, Spencer, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're continuing with the 87 series. We're going to be covering episodes one, two, and three of season six. We're finally on season six. Back oh, half man. of the show, baby. Yeah, These episodes is... sound, well, two of them sound awesome. One of them sounds middling, but episode one is Rock Around the Block. Then we have Krangenstein Lives and then Super Irma. I. I already know which one I'm covering. I'm finally going to see the debut of Super Irma. Finally. Mm-hmm. It's about time. Ever since I saw her in that in that mobile game, I've been waiting to see Super yep. Irma. Now you're going to get the context. Now I'm I, finally going to get the context. I tell you, that that little mobile idle RPG, what, was it Mutant Madness? Uh, Mutant Madness. Yeah, yeah. the movie is Mayhem, right? Yep. Okay, yeah. It's got more like deep cut references than... Really, even Shredder's Revenge, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of sad that you know that it all service on it kind of ended, but hmm. it, was, it was a good game while it lasted. Yeah. Uh, so, guys, thank you again for another uh, episode of Ninja Turtle Power Hour. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you guys liked the show, let us know somewhere on the internet. Um, hey, the 30th anniversary of 2003 is coming up next month in February. And so if you've got any fun memories or just if, if 2003 was uh, your introduction to the turtles, like it was for uh, Spencer, let us know. Like we want to, we're going to do a little episode on that soon. Um, so email us at uh, Ninja Turtle Power Hour at gmail.com and get, let us uh, give us your memories or um, anything fun you remember or like a favorite toy from the show. Uh, let us know by January 30th, and uh, we'll probably mention it on the show. Yeah, we've already gotten a few emails, so we're excited to share those, and we're excited to share whatever you think as well. Yeah. So other than that, guys, we love you. Thank you again. Uh, 
Follow us on all the socials, Ninja Turtle Power Hour, Ninja Turtle PH on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And uh, we'll see you next time. Cool. Thank you guys again so much for listening. And until next time, cowabunga, dudes. Cowabunga. Hot soup! mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Freaking tired, man. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, no, I got nothing. Cool. There goes all that bonus content. Yeah, I, I, there wasn't really a whole lot. It was pretty much just us seeing what we were going to be doing for the news for the most part. Yeah, it was it was behind the scenes, guys. So yeah, if you, <laughs> if you uh, I guess we didn't have a really, little bit of... If you're really interested in the bonus content, this this wasn't. A- we had a little bit of Star Wars talk, but it wasn't anything, you know, insane. Just, just bad batch. And uh, I don't know. I've been, I've been, of course, reading more comics in my DC read through. I'm up to uh, the Underworld Unleashed event. Oh yeah, which was like the one where they pretty much just kind of like made it so a whole bunch of DC villains either came back or were free from Bell Rev, or just actually are, are a legitimate threat now and less. Mm-hmm. You have a joke, I guess, for some of them. Or you know, yeah, I don't like, Did a lot of flash up. rogues like actually get powers instead of having like weapons? Well, right now they're dead. Okay. So well, I'm sorry, spoilers. Spoiler alert, <laughs> shoot. Yeah, Captain Cold, the whole rogues gallery is dead except for the trickster. Uh they they've been killed. I was waiting for him to come back. I figured they had to eventually. Uh I mean, I know Captain Boomerang is supposed to die at some point because he got brought back to life in at the end of Blackest Night for the Brightest Day event because that was a thing. Um, but yeah, no. So I mean, they they've like, for example, like Major Disaster is kind of like instead it's just like he can cause a major disaster or like like some awful like terrible almost like luck thing to happen by just setting like a domino effect into motion. Uh, kind of thing. He's kind of like evil Domino in a way, I guess. Like Marvel's Domino, but evil. Instead of just being a guy that causes natural disasters to happen with the weather. So, you know, they made him not a joke anymore. Copperhead also is not a joke anymore kind of thing. The previous week, it looks like Sonar's son is now Sonar. And he's got a costume that well, it wasn't better than the original, but that's but the original wasn't that great either. So, it's saying something. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, I've just kind of started launched off that event. Waiting to see what happens. What comic am I reading? I bought a bunch. I've been buying a bunch of trades lately. So what do I have? 
keep them in my backpack because I like to try and flip through them while I'm at work. So I am reading uh, Ultra Mega from uh, Image Comics. It's a cosmic plague has spread, transforming everyday people into violent monstrous kaiju. Only the Ultra Mega, three three individuals imbued with incredible powers, hold the line against this madness. Their battles level cities and leave untold horror in their wake. Now the final reckoning approaches for the Ultra Mega, but is this a war they can even win? Uh, I, it, what did I see? Like I saw it on the shelf, and I think I picked up the first issue because it's like, it, it's like kind of like horror, um, kaiju. Like it kind of looked like uh, Ultraman, which I, I love Ultraman. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's four issues. I don't know if it's finished, but I haven't seen the book in a long time, like anywhere else. So I don't, I'm assuming this is the only, like this is the only volume, but it says volume one, but they all, all trades say volume one. But that's what I had. That's what I had in my backpack today. That sounds still reading the, the Puma Blues, which is Steve Murphy and Michael Zuli's comic. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea what's going on in it. And I also stopped reading it for like three months so <laughs> extra special don't know what's going on in it <laughs> yeah i i still need to read the final issue of liam sharp starhenge book because i i don't know god i picked up that first issue and i have not like gone back it's i mean it's beautiful the art's beautiful because it's liam sharp's art but it is very convoluted and like very just I don't know. It just feels like it's stacking a whole ton of lore on you in like every yeah. single issue. Like I was uh, so kind of just turned off after reading that first issue that that's kind of why I'm just not going back. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I love looking at his art uh, and it, it's kind of interesting, but it seems like it would help if you already knew a thing or two about um, like celtic lore and things like that i don't know the, the the saxon lore i don't know just of that area britain's ancient history i guess uh merlin king arthur all those legends i i don't know anything about any of it so if you pull the sword out of the stone uh you're a king that's that's all i know yeah like like there's that I think there's a little he, bit more to it but he he like it gets really into like merlin and like Arthur and like the different wars he fought in uniting Britain and like the king before him. Uh it's it's a lot. <laughs> There's a lady in a lake, right? Uh maybe. Uh, there might have been at some point. The the thing is, is possibly so like, on top of getting deep into this mythology, it's like sci-fi time travel. So like there's like time lord people that are, are have magic. And like they're able to fight off these robot conquerors because they have magic and robots can't process magic. So like these robot conquerors that are going throughout the universe are trying to like defeat them. And so they send one of theirs back in time and he's Merlin. And and then like everything is all going on at the same time in the future with the main character we're following that's telling the story and monologuing a lot. It's it's very confusing and a whole lot. And like I feel like after I get the final issue, I'll need to like reread the whole thing altogether without any of the breaks and see if I can fully make sense of it. Yeah, uh, I will probably wait for a trade. It's a very ambitious book. It's a very ambitious book. I still love Liam Sharp's art though. So 
there he goes. That is your bonus content. That is what we are <laughs> reading or attempting to read. And oh man, I just messed up this. I'm trying to fill in some paint gaps on uh, some of these NECA figures. Mm. I... If you do want to read a good book, though, with Liam Sharp's art and writing, uh, the Brave and the Bold book, like Batman and Wonder Woman. That one's really good. It only got like a first mini series, and it was supposed to have like a second mini series, and it never happened because I guess no one was reading the book. But it's actually a good book. It was really good. I really liked it. Another one that kind of delves into uh, Great Britain areas lore, uh, kind of thing a little bit. So just Liam Sharp's thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he really likes cool. it a lot. Hey, right, what you know? Yeah. No, I read like a half of an interview with him. I never get through those comic journals interviews. They're so long and like something interrupts me. And like, I think I still have them all like open in a tab. I've got Kevin Eastman's. I've got <laughs> Liam Sharp's. They're just like open still in a tab on my phone that I still haven't gone back and finished them. But they've been in there for like months. I always like, really, like I said, I read like halfway through and then stuff happens. Anyway. Ain't that always the way. That's always the way. We can get recording now.